Thank you, Anthony. You know, there's a big resemblance, I don't know if you see it, between Anthony and E.T. Uh, <laughs> maybe it's just a flashback. Um, how you doing? My name is Bill Reeser. I'm the pastor of Encounter. I want to welcome everyone out to Encounter Sunday. And uh, the title of today's talk is Get Dressed Daily for Battle. It's one of the anchors. We teach anchors of hope at Encounter. Anchor 10 is Get Dressed Daily for Battle by putting on God's armor and taking my thoughts captive. Speaking of our military, uh, Don Clark Life was celebrated yesterday, a pillar uh, of COS, just a wonderful member of our church, a Vietnam War vet, a hero, an honorable man that was, now, now God is honoring him, and uh, with long life and salvation, as it says in Psalm 91, he had a great celebration of life service, and if you've never been to Camp Nelson to have an army veteran's life uh, celebrated, uh, it's, it's a moving experience. And I don't know about you, but I'm grateful for our armed forces. I'm, I'm grateful for the sacrifice that they've made, the lives that have been lost, so that we can celebrate the freedoms of the greatest country ever, the United States of America. That's right. And maybe it's just me, but I believe that, and I saw this yesterday at Camp Nelson, uh, when that flag is presented and the national anthem is being played, it deserves, and our military deserves our respect by standing up and saluting that flag each and every time. Now, the branches of our military, the Army, National Guard, Air Force, Coast Guard, Marine Corps, Navy, and all the other division of our armed forces all have what we call creeds. A creed is an oath that provides a value structure by which to live or work by, if you're taking notes. Creeds then set the tone of life in each service. If you join one of these branches, you'll need to learn and live by those creeds. For example, the Army and Army National Guard creed is called the Soldier's Creed. Here's what the Soldier's Creed says. It says, I'm an American soldier. I'm a warrior and a member of a team. I serve the people of the United States and I live the army values. I will always place the mission first. I will never accept defeat. I will never quit. I will never leave a fallen comrade. I am disciplined physically and mentally tough, trained and proficient in my warrior tasks and drills. I always maintain my arms, my equipment, and myself. I'm an expert. I'm a professional. I stand ready to deploy, engage, and destroy the enemies of the United States in close combat. I'm a guardian of freedom and the American way of life. I am an American soldier. I'm telling you, that's pretty awesome right there. Now, one of the great accomplishments of our military that you never really heard about or read about because it never fit anyone's narrative was the dismantling and annihilation of ISIS. Not Al-Qaeda that's gaining ground today because of what I'm going to be talking about this morning. You see, before our previous president took office, not the one we have now, the previous one, the one before that, whose last name rhymes with Dalai Lama, in case you're trying to figure out who I'm talking about, ISIS controlled the headlines and news. They controlled all the headlines and news. 
They hate Americans. They hated Americans. They savagely killed many of our soldiers and civilians. And one of the first things the previous president did when he was in office was make a critical yet bold decision that empowered our troops to destroy ISIS. Does anyone know what that decision was? He came up with a comprehensive warfare strategy, and the first thing that he changed was the rules of engagement. See, before that decision was made, our troops were bound by international law that prohibited them from using excessive force. The previous administration never let our military respond with the same brute force that they were fighting us with. Our troops basically had to stand down. In essence, we let the enemy set up chop zones because that's what they love doing, chopping off heads and blowing people up with bombs. And I can't imagine the frustration our soldiers had to endure that put their lives on the line and engage in war, but be told they can't use the full force and the might of the military. But once that changed and we released our soldiers to do what they made an oath to do in their creed, to stand ready to deploy, engage, and destroy the enemies of the United States and America in close combat, it was game over. Game over quickly. But again, you never heard a peep about it. Now, here's why I say all of that. It doesn't matter if it's a military situation. It doesn't matter whether it's crime on the streets or just a spiritual battle with the enemy of your soul that each and every one of you know what I'm talking about. The moment you respond with weakness against their brute force, you're toast. You're a goner. You're done. And the moment you retreat and appease, the more territory they take over. The more you try and reason with them, the more they deceive and destroy. See, friends, we have an enemy of our soul. His name is Satan. And make no mistake, he is a killing machine. That's what he's here to do. Steal, kill, and destroy. That's, that's his resume. Now, you may not know this about me, but I, I, I love sci-fi movies. I'm just a sci-fi guy, Star Trek. But the greatest movie ever made in the history of all movies and in the existence of the world has to be Terminators. <laughs> Am I right? Tell them, no better movie made than Terminators. So... Here's a quote from the movie Terminator. It says, listen and understand. That Terminator is out there. He can't be bargained with. Can't be reasoned with. Doesn't feel pity, remorse, or fear. And it will absolutely will not stop ever until you are dead. Terminator, Kyle Reese. Now that quote came from a science fiction movie. I get that. It's cute. But the same words can be used for the real satanic Terminators that are out there determined to destroy your life. I don't know if you heard in, in England two days ago, a guy opened fire and claimed he was a satanic terminator. Ephesians 6 says this, for our battle, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood. Some of us read that, we see that, and we miss the first statement. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood. Our struggle is not against people. It's not against your spouse, not against the president, the other president, the other president before him, the governor, whomever, the person that abused you, the person that did you wrong. Our battle is not against people. 
but against the rulers, the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly realms. That's scripture. That's where our battle comes from. You see, you give them an inch, they'll take your life. You give them a voice, they'll shut your mouth. You give them a doorway, they'll take your home. You agree with their values, you will lose your character. You agree with them one time, you'll never know what truth is. You give in to a spirit of fear. And by the way, fear is a spirit. And it'll be music to the devil's ear. Now, did you know that God has given us wartime battle creeds to live by? And he expects us to get dressed for battle against the evil forces that are out there trying to destroy our lives. Now, if you take the soldier's creed, and you insert the kingdom of heaven and God in the soldier's creed, you actually have a pretty good creed. Here's what that sounds like. I'm a soldier for the kingdom of heaven. I'm a warrior and a member of a team. I serve the people of the kingdom and live by kingdom values. I will always place the mission first. I will never accept defeat. I will never quit. I will never leave a fallen comrade. I'm disciplined, physically and mentally tough, trained and proficient in my warrior tasks and drills. I always maintain my armor, my equipment, and myself. I'm an expert, and I'm a professional. I stand ready to deploy, engage, and destroy the enemies of God in close combat. I'm a guardian of freedom and the kingdom way of life. I'm a soldier for the kingdom of heaven and your servant is ready to deploy and is dressed for battle today in Jesus' name. That's what that sounds like. But it amazes me how naive people are to how down and dirty the devil really is. To who he is. And how to do everything in your life to destroy it. Matter of fact, I'm only speaking to 25% of this room because survey says only 25% of evangelical Christians believe in the existence of a devil and that hell is real, is a real place. Not us, because we preach truth here and I'm so grateful for a church that preaches the whole counsel of God. So we're, we're getting dressed for battle here. Now listen, I could stand here for hours detailing the strategies, tricks, schemes of the enemy. And you need to know them all. There's another reason why you need to come to encounter. Because we expose his plan. You got to know about your enemy. You see, listen, I worship my Savior so I can get to know him. But I study Satan so I know how to defeat him. I got to, you got to know your enemy. See, your enemy knows more about you than you know about yourself. And the enemy knows more about the word of God than you know the word of God. Another reason to get into the word of God, because that's how you're going to defeat them. Now, I can detail some stuff that would really blow your mind, but you've got to come to encounter for it. So tonight, for, so for this morning, I'm just going to give you some simplistic and obvious strategies and tricks the devil has that he uses to trip up all of us. Number one, to make sure we never become a follower of Jesus and totally submit our lives to the lordship and leadership of Jesus Christ. He's always at work making sure you never give your life to Jesus Christ. Now, he doesn't have a problem with you confessing Jesus Christ. He doesn't have a problem with you, with Jesus on your lips, but not, he wants to make sure it's not in your heart. See, there's a difference between Jesus being your Lord and your Savior. He, he does all he can. 
He'll let you pronounce him as your Savior, but he'll do everything he can to fight you for making him your Lord. You see, when he's your Lord, that means you're submitted to his lordship and leadership. That means, and which means you're totally in for God. You're not leaving any part of your life out. You're not living for the world. You're not doing it. You're totally submitted to the plans and purposes of God. That's what we teach here. Listen, when the mafia, I know a little bit about the mafia. I grew up with them in East Harlem in New York. When they were running most of New York and Chicago, they had judges and politicians in their back pocket. That's how they were able to get a stronghold in those cities. Satan has pastors in his back pocket that will never preach repentance before salvation, the fear of God, radical obedience out of gratitude for what Jesus has done based on the finished work of Christ, deep discipleship, the fact that hell's a real place and a real destination. Fact is, millions of people are sitting in churches all across America thinking they're saved, but they're not. He has pastors in his back pocket that will never preach about the person and work of the Holy Spirit. The, he'll never pre- they'll never preach about the power of prayer, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the power of God, therefore leaving their flock powerless and open targets for annihilation and destruction. They'll never preach the authority that you have in Christ to exact judgment on the enemy of your soul. But we're going to do that this morning if you're okay with that. Is that okay? Number two... If he loses the war of your salvation and you living a totally sold out life for Jesus Christ, he'll go after your witness. He'll go after your emotions, your character. He'll go after your heart. He'll tear your heart in pieces. How many have had their heart broken? Here, absolutely, all of us. He'll he'll tear it to pieces so badly that Jesus will be the last person you turn to for healing. He'll steal your joy. He'll destroy everything good about you and everything great wants to accomplish in your life. That's how he's working overtime in the church. Now, if he can't get, if he can't get to you, he'll go after your family. He'll go after your spouse. He'll go after your kids, your grandkids. He tried going after the father, got kicked out of heaven. That's why he went after Jesus. You mess with me, You're going to have him to deal with. But listen, he knows he can't get to me. So if he goes after my family, then you're really going to have to deal with me. You want to get someone upset? You go after their kids. And you know what? That's what he's done with so many believers. He's gone after your family. He's gone after your kids. He's gone after your grandkids. He's gone after cousins, people you love dearly. There are many of you today. Matter of fact, the majority of us, all of us have at least a family member or a dear family member, maybe a child, maybe a grandchild, maybe even a spouse, that's not walking with Jesus today. And you don't even think about all the ways that the devil has his hand on this. You say, well, they're just going through a phase. Well, they're just hanging around with the wrong person. Maybe they'll just break that off. Maybe maybe that person's hurt or whatever. But here's what we never think about. We never think about how the enemy has blinded and binded them into this state of unbelief. The Apostle Paul puts it this way in 2 Corinthians 4.4, the God of this age, which by the way is one of the names for Satan, that's little g, not big g, which by the way, when you pray, you should always pray to the Father in the name of Jesus or to the Holy Spirit. 
Never just pray, okay, God. Always pray in the name above all names. Always pray to the Trinity. It says, the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel. He's blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel. My good friend Lee Thomas, who wrote a book, How to Effectively Pray for the Lost, who'll be here this fall, by the way, he would tell you this. He says, if, if you have someone that's not walking with Jesus, that's not saved, what you have to do is bind the strong man of his armor. You have to bind Satan, and then you pray off every single stronghold of the mind off of that person that you love, and you watch, and you take authority in your prayer, and you watch those strongholds come off while Satan is bound, and your loved ones come home to Jesus. I'm telling you, there is power in prayer, but there's an effective way of pr- in praying, and there's strategic ways of praying, and this is just one small part of praying warfare battle prayers, especially for the people that we love. We're going to do this when the service is over. We're going to pray for our loved ones to come home. Listen, if the church did this, we wouldn't have a building big enough to contain the loved ones that are not walking with Jesus. We need to do this. We need to first believe that you have the authority and power. But here's the deal. Most of the time, people have no idea that it's Satan himself wreaking havoc in your life, using every down and dirty trick. He dupes and deceives us. As long as you're alive, you're going to experience spiritual attacks. You're always going to experience them. That's the bad news, that you were born for a battle. Want some good news? You were born to win. You were born to win. The Bible says, greater is he that is in you than he that lives in the world. You're born to win. You're victorious. I, but I also want to tell you this. Satan's not afraid of you. He's not. He is afraid of who's in you. And that's the Holy Spirit. He's very afraid of the Holy Spirit. But most people don't know how to tap into the power of the Holy Spirit. See, when God's Spirit, the Holy Spirit is in you, you never have to be afraid of Satan. But you do need to get dressed for battle. If you're a young child, a young teenager, young person, and you're hearing about this devil or Satan, listen, you don't ever have to be afraid. All you have to do is say, Jesus, take care of him for me, and he'll take care of him for you. Every single time. You never have to fear. Because you have power over him too. I want to tell you that today. But here's the deal. Like I said, many Christians, people confess Jesus Christ. I don't believe in that devil stuff. But he's alive. And he's well working on planet earth. Set on destroying the work of Jesus Christ wherever he can. Listen, scripture clearly teaches this. If you believe In in a place called heaven, you better believe in a place called hell. If you believe in a God who loves you, you better believe in a devil who hates you. And when we don't believe in him, when we ignore him, don't understand how he operates, he can come in camouflage, totally undetected, right under the radar. See, the question is not whether he exists or not. He does. The question is not whether or not we're engaged in warfare. We are. Or whether or not we're tempted We are, some of you say, I never get tempted. Oh, you get tempted every day. Every day you get, lies get presented to the doorpost of your mind every day that you have to take captive every single day. The answers are clear. He does exist. We are engaged in warfare. The question we have to ask today is, how can we overcome? How can we resist all these attacks? So you may want to write this down. 
Warfare praying is believing you have the authority in Christ to exact judgment on the enemy of your soul and experience what no weapon formed against you will prosper really means. Here's what it is. It's power praying, fighting from the place of victory, not for victory. It's fighting from the place of victory. We're going to talk about that in a few minutes, what it means to trust in the finished work of Christ, what Christ declares you are and who you are. Trusting in the finished work of Christ that gives you resurrection power to take dominion and authority over every ruler, every authority, every power of this dark world, and against every spiritual forces of evil in heavenly realms. It's power praying, exacting judgment on the enemy of your soul. It starts with you getting dressed for battle. So how do we do that? Well, turn your Bibles. Got your Bibles. Turn them to Ephesians 6. Very familiar chapter, verse 10. But before we look at the text and break it down, let me ask you a few questions. How many of you would like to take your prayer life to the next level and pray more effectively? How many? If you don't raise your hand, you're toast. Okay, you're like, see ya. Get you out even before you put on the armor. Walk out of your door, boom, gone, see you later. How many of you would like to learn how to have victory over the spiritual forces of evil and warfare trials in your life? All of us, right? How many of you would like to get to the next level of faith in your walk with Jesus? All of us, right? We always want to get to the next level of faith, right? How many of you, here's the big one, would like to be discipled at a deeper level than you are today? Because that's the key to experiencing this victory and all these other questions that I've already asked you. Now, when I say getting discipled, I'm not talking about how many Bible studies you've done or are doing, although those are great, and continue to do those, because knowledge is power. But my definition, I believe what God wants us to learn today and know today and embrace today is that when someone's truly getting discipled, they're being transformed from the inside out. It's not just learning about the Bible. It's getting transformed. It's getting healed. It's getting changed from the inside out. You're being convicted of the areas of your life that need healing, changing, releasing over to God. You see, for church folks, for many of us, it's not the sins that we've committed in our past that enables us to carry a boatload of shame, guilt, and regrets, which so many of you carry. You say you don't, but you can't hide it from your face. It's the sins that other people have committed against you and us that we carry, and for many of us, most to our graves. We don't tell people outside our family circle about the hurts, the abuse, the horrific things that have been done to us. We don't tell people about the fears we have, the insecurities we have, the anxiety, the lack of peace, that cause us so much pain. I'm so encouraged. There's a women's encounter Bible study. One thing they told me that, and I hear this all the time, we never realized how much hurt we had in our lives until we did this study. We didn't have issues like what the church thinks other people have issues with. We, most of us have been to church all of our lives. We've done tons of Bible studies, but we've never experienced healing like this. We've never experienced the Holy Spirit like this. We've never experienced an encounter with God. We've never heard the voice of God like this. We've never been changed and transformed like this. 
And it's changed our life. And now we have a bond of love that we have a forever family that we know we're going to do life with forever. You see, to be discipled is to allow God to change our stinking way of thinking and transform us by the renewing of our minds. Just to think like Christ, act like Christ, love like Christ, forgive like Christ, see people through the eyes of Christ. Do the things that Christ did. Walk in victory. Become a student in God's word. Become efficient in prayer. Walk in authority. Walk with the resurrection power, the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Heal the sick. Raise the dead. Cast out demons. Walk in authority and have victory in your life. That's what it means to be discipled. And if you're not living that life, you're living underneath your privilege as a child of the one true king. That's discipleship to tap into the power of the Holy Spirit and become the overcomer that God has called you to become. Revelation 21, 6 and 7 says, only those that are drinking from the well that only Jesus offers, the Holy Spirit, and that are overcomers are the ones who will inherit heaven. Why am I saying all of this? Because Steve asked me to talk to you about the ministry of encounter, and I said, I'm just going to talk to you about warfare. You see, I was asked to talk about the ministry, and for the last two years, I've gotten up on the stage, and I've told you exactly what encounter is, what it is and what it's not. And for some reason, how many times, no matter how many different ways I try and communicate what encounter is and who it's for, the majority of you still think it's a, Ministry for those people, for people with addictions. And you approach me every weekend. And God bless you for doing so and continue to do this. I don't want to make you feel bad for approaching me. And you tell me what a wonderful job I do for those people. But you are those people. And you approach me and tell me you know someone that might benefit from encounter. And I said, I know, I'm looking at them. I say it to myself. <laughs> I don't say it out loud. On a serious note, the more you convince yourself it's a ministry for other people, the more you're being deceived by the enemy who doesn't want you to discover what the abundant life in Jesus Christ that he died for really is. Now watch this, not because you don't embrace true recovery. It's because you don't embrace true discipleship. Because true discipleship helps us, makes us all realize that we're all in recovery. All of us need help. All of us need hope. All of us need healing from the hurts in our lives. Encounter. Let me say this as loud as I can, is the discipleship engine of COS. We exist to take anyone in everyone's faith and walk with Jesus to the next level. And that is how you get healed and set free from all the hurts, pain, and issues of life that a person has. But watch this. But healing from the root issues in our lives is not the goal. That's just the byproduct of what happens when you embrace this discipleship pathway that we take you down. The goal of encounter is to put you in a position where you can have encounters with the Holy Spirit, not just one time, but on a daily basis, where you can encounter the Holy Spirit at any moment 
on any day, on any given moment in time, and we do it every Friday night. See, the cool pastors preach on Friday. That's why they got me preaching on Friday. And that's why the Holy I'm telling you, God's showing up. He shows up on Sunday in a powerful way. He's showing up at this church. Now listen, the goal is to put you in a position where you can have these encounters so you can hear the voice of God. Experience his presence all the time. Grow in your relationship with him. Learn, in, learn to tap into the power of the Holy Spirit. Pray more effectively. Be a force for the kingdom of heaven that is taking back ground that is rightfully yours. That's why we're going to spend the entire fall learning how to pray at Encounter, learning how to tap into the power of the Holy Spirit. I hope you will join us. Now, here's the discipleship path where we take people down at Encounter. You see, you can't just get dressed ready for battle without having a firm foundation set place in your life. So we teach 12 anchors of hope throughout the year. I'm going to run through them really, really quick. We teach people how not to play God by making them realize that they do a terrible job at playing God. All of us do this. All of us have played God at some point in our lives. And because we play God, we can't get well. That's why Jesus approached a man one day that was an invalid for 38 years, hung out by a pool that people got well from. And he approached him, he said, do you want to get well? Get up, pick up your mat and walk. See, you are well again. Stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. Best 28 word sermon you'll ever hear in your life. Do you want to get well? Stop playing God if you want to get well. Let God be God. Here's a great prayer. God, you're God, I'm not. Please be God and help me stop doing your job. It's a great prayer. Peace will come over you. Number two, anchor number two. We establish and teach people how important it is to have faith, to live by faith. Pray the prayer of faith. If I would ask you today, do you know what the prayer of faith is? Have you been taught how to pray the prayer of faith? Do you know where to find the prayer of faith? Do you know how to operate in the prayers of faith? Do you know how to, do you know how to tap into this power? Do you know how to please God by faith? And do, you, and do you so that hope and healing in every area of a person's life can be experienced? We want to build your faith up because it's impossible to please God without faith. So we're creating a bunch of God pleasers at, at Encounter. We want you to have your chapter in the hall, not in the hall of fame, in the hall of faith in Hebrews 11. We want your chapter to be at the end of, book, of, of the book of Acts. If you got your book of Acts, turn to Acts chapter 29. Go, go right there. I want you to see what's in there. You know what's in Acts chapter 29? Nothing. There's only 28 books in the book of Acts. Okay? Your chapter, your life should be Acts chapter 29. Because the whole book of Acts is God doing extraordinary things to ordinary people. It's people who lived under the power and the anointing of God that did miracles, signs, and wonders. And God's called you to have your own chapter in the book of Acts. That's what faith does. That's what we're going to be talking about at the men's retreat, which you don't want to miss in September. So I want you to, if you're a guy, you need to go to this men's retreat. I'm telling you, we're going to be teaching this stuff. We're going to be teaching how to live a legacy life and finding our chapter in the book of Acts. It's going to be powerful. Now, listen, that's what faith does. That's just the third anchor. Okay, the third, actually, that's just two anchors. The third anchor is teaching all about the finished work of Christ. Listen, this is so important. You hear me say this a lot. If you don't understand the finished work of Christ, you'll never live the crucified life of Christ. And the reason why a lot of people don't live the crucified life of Christ is because they don't understand the finished work of Christ. When Jesus said, when he yelled out to Telestai, which said, it is finished or paid in full, 
You know what that means? He finished it. He did the work so you don't have to. And there's a lot of people that think they have stuff to do that Jesus has already done. And Christians wear themselves out trying to do what's already been finished and you can't because it's already been done because Jesus did it for you so stop trying to do what only he has done for you. Now listen, many people miss the finished work of Christ because they think it's all about what you can do. Yes, there is this thing called the sovereignty of God and our responsibility, but, mo- if you, but you gotta understand the finished work of Christ. You know, there's a scripture in Matthew 7 where it says, many will come to me on that last day. Many, it's talking about the church, it's not talking about people outside the church. Many will come to me and say, didn't we do all these things in your name? Didn't we do all these things in your name? Didn't we cast out demons, prophesy in your name, perform all these miracles? My, my brother Travis showed this to me the other day. He said, he said they, were, they were trying to get in on works. And what they're saying is, didn't we do all these things? And Jesus is saying, what about what I've done for you? You're saying you want to get into heaven for all these things you've done in my name. What about what I've done for you? Where's your trust in that? And that's when he said, depart from me. I never knew you. That's why we're saved by grace through faith, not by works. So no one can boast. Now, you get that, you trust in the finished work of Christ, you start living the crucified life in Christ, then you'll soon discover what we teach in Anchor 4, our identity in Christ. Because if you don't know your identity in Christ, you'll never know your purpose and you'll never know your destiny. You'll never know what God calls you, who God calls you. you never know that you're loved, that you're a child, that you're secure, accepted, significant. You'll spend an entire lifetime trying to become somebody you already are when you can know and believe today how great the love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God and that you know your identity in Christ. When you know your identity in Christ, you'll know that you have a authority in Christ, and you'll know that you'll have power in Christ. You got to know, don't spend an entire lifetime wasting it trying to discover somebody you already are. And you know, people do this in the recovery world, but church folks do this all the time, where you miss your identity. Someone asks you who you are. You always give the wrong answer. You always say, well, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. Well, you're not a sinner saved by grace if you've been saved. Because sinner is an unbeliever. A saint is a believer. You may not act like a saint, uh, but God calls you a saint. So the best, a better way to, to say who you are is, I'm a saint who still sins, who still needs God's grace. Amen? You're not a sinner saved, but you were a sinner saved by grace who still sins. I saw you the other day. <laughs> but you got to know your identity in Christ. Anchor 5 puts us in a position where the Holy Spirit reveals and rips out the root issues and everything else in our lives that, keep, that keeps us from becoming the disciples that God has called us to be. Anchor 6 is the discipleship, where we embrace discipleship. And when you embrace discipleship, God makes some radical changes in your life. Anchor 7 is the peace anchor that helps you close all your accounts with other people by choosing the freedom of forgiveness and moving out of the bondage of bitterness. Many of you are stuck because of unforgiveness. If I were to do a forgiveness event this morning, the way that we do it at Encounter, at the end of the service, you would be writing thousands of names of people you've never been able to forgive by the power of the Holy Spirit, and God's peace would come over you, and you would be a force to be reckoned with, but you are handicapped if you're holding on to just one person that you've not been able to forgive. Who's living rent-free in your head, still causing you pain that needs to be evicted today in Jesus' name? Evict them. Get them out of there for your sake so that you can have God's peace and power in your life. 
Just do it. Anchor eight, allow God's word to become the authority over my life. See, some people read God's word. Some people apply God's word. Some people even study God's word. Few make it the authority from Genesis to Revelation, where we submit to every single part of it. Anchor nine, commit to a daily prayer life and grow my relationship with the Father. Like I said, we're going to teach people how to pray. We're going to develop a prayer life so we can know the purpose of prayer, which is to grow my relationship with the Father. We're going to learn everything there is to, to learn about prayer. Anchor 10 is a prayer anchor. Get dressed daily for battle, which we're doing today. But you can't do any of this without anchor 11, and that's trusting the power of the Holy Spirit to lead and guide me. So we're going to learn, not just learn, but we're going to live by the power of the Holy Spirit. We're going to learn everything there is to learn about the Holy Spirit, how he operates, how he anoints us, how he blesses us, how he gifts us, how he helps us pray. All these things we need. Paul says when you pray, pray with the Holy Spirit. Pray in the Spirit. All these different types of prayers. And Anchor 12 is what Steve talked about last week, the evangelism anchor. Live out and share the hope that I now have. Oh, if you would have heard some of the testimonies this Friday of some of the people in the Encounter Bible studies. Here's the deal. Here's, here's my public service plea because I love you. I love this church, by the way. I love you. I, I love you deeply. And it breaks my heart to see you still in pain. It breaks my heart to see you doing okay and not being there to help someone who is in pain. It breaks my heart to see you not get to the next level in your faith with Jesus Christ. So I'm going to ask you, be a part of that. Be a part of encounter. Come on Friday. I know Friday. Listen, come on. I know it's hard. It's the end of the week. But it's the greatest place to be on a Friday night. Ask any of my satisfied customers that are wearing encounter shirts. Look at some, these are some of those people. You're those people. Second thing is, I need you to do an encounter study. I'm leaving encounter studies on there for you to take. Now, encounter studies, we don't do those on Friday. We're going to launch new ones in September. They'll be during the week. But I want you to sign up for them. You can do it on your own, but there's nothing like do it, doing it with a group of women and a group of men. We don't do men and women together. That's just not a good recipe. I need you to sign up for that study. Take a study. Do it on your own even before. Start reading through the materials. Listen, the one testimony I hear over and over again, like I said earlier, is I've never experienced the voice and the power and the healing of God in community with others until I did this encounter study in community with others. And now I love these people. These people love me. I told them everything about me. I never told a single soul before. And guess what? They love me more. They accept me more. I need you to be a part of encounter. It's a, listen, everyone's praying for revival. Revival ain't happening until God gets rid of the junk in here once and for all. Until God heals us of the hurts, of the pain in our lives once and for all. Anybody been healed of some serious hurts at encounter? Come on now. Come on now. That's what I'm talking It's some satisfied customers. So I need you to come to encounter. So that's my public service message. Let's finish the talk on putting on God's armor. You ready? Come on. Here's how you do it. You ready? Through faith, prayer, and action. Faith, belief, prayer, and then you gotta, it's got to be action. Those three things. Can't just, be, can't just walk out of your house, got my armor on, boom, see you, gone. You're a goner. You know, you got to pray it strategically and specifically. You got to know what each armor does. So here's what he says. Finally, be strong in the Lord and, and in his mighty power. That, but by the way, that's anchor one. See, a lot of us are strong in ourselves 
and in our mighty power. But there's power, not only in the name of Jesus, but there's power in our weakness. See, when you declare your weakness before God, his strength is made perfect. I love how heaven breaks the rules and everything is the opposite in heaven of what we think it should be. We think we got to get ourselves together or get ourselves stronger to do battle. God says, no, you come to me in your weakest state. You just believe this stuff and I'll give you all the power you need. I'll give you everything you need. There's power. If you're, there's a gentleman that gave his life to Christ on Friday. There's as much power in that man of God today as in some of you have been walking with God 50 years. Walking with God 50 years. Okay, and I congratulate that family for being here today. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor. That's two things mentioned twice in this segment. The armor is, putting on the full armor is mentioned twice. Using the word is mentioned twice. Now, if something is worth repeating, it's worth doing in the Bible, right? So he says, put on the full armor, the whole thing, so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Here it is again, for our struggles not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, the powers of this dark world, against the spiritual forces of evil and heavenly realms. I'm preaching like Anthony now. I would just go like that. So he says, therefore, put on the full armor of God. Again, says it again, so that when the day of evil comes, we are in the day of evil. The day of evil has come. We are, we are living in evil times. These are not godly times. People aren't dancing in the streets for Jesus these days. Church is declining. Young adults not giving their lives. And I love the young adults in this church and the leadership we have over the young adults. They are standing up for Christ and living out their faith. And I'm so proud of them for doing that. But we are living in evil times. Evil times. So that you may be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything to stand, stand firm with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. Why does he mention putting on the belt of truth? Why? Because everything needs to evolve around truth. Truth holds it all together. You need to learn the truth. You need to memorize the truth. You need to use truth as a weapon. You need to know the truth, the way, and the life. Jesus Christ. You've got to have sword scriptures. You've got to have weapon scriptures. You've got to be in the word. You've got to make God's word the authority over your life. It needs to be a weapon. You, listen, you may have no memorization skills whatsoever, but I'm telling you, you take verses and you ask the Holy Spirit to bring remembrance to those verses, God will bring those verses to remembrance in times of battle every single time. So you gotta have the belt of truth. You know why? Because behind every self-defeating thing that you'll ever do is a lie that you believe. Every self-defeating thing you'll ever do in life is a lie that you believe. So you gotta know the truth. Then he says, with the breastplate of righteousness in place. This is so important. Why? Do you, we need to protect our heart. And how do you think Satan attacks our heart? He attacks a righteous heart with impurity. Or he bruises it so bad that he'll make you go to impure things for healing. And I know this is a tough concept because a lot of us can never fathom the fact that we're righteous, that we can live a righteous life You know why? Because of that guilt and shame 
that you've been walking around with for years. But it's an identity issue. Look what the apostle, look what the apostle Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5.21. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Listen, in, whenever, you, whenever you see in him, through him, in Christ, whatever comes after that is an identity statement of who you are in Christ. And if God calls you righteous, you are righteous. What God says is clean, let no one call unclean. And because God calls you righteous, guess what? By the power of the Holy Spirit, you can live a righteous life by putting on the breastplate of righteousness every single day of your life and never let any foul thing touch your body, mind, or soul that day. But you gotta put it on. I wanna say this about those of you that are eaten up with that guilt and shame. God's not mad at you. He's mad about you. He loves you. That's the biggest lie when we hurt, when we get stuck in our pain for so long that we feel that God has forsaken us. God doesn't love us anymore. He's mad at us. He's mad about you. And he loves you so much. The next thing he tells us is with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. This is so important. See, we always need to be prepared to live out and share the good news. Pastor Steve was talking about last week. That's why in Acts 20, 24, it says, my life is worth nothing to me until I finish the work assigned to me by the Lord Jesus, the work of telling others about the wonderful grace of God. That's why I gotta go out and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey all my commands because that's discipleship. Not just getting someone saved, but to teach them all their commands. So we're to go out now with the shoes of peace. Now that's two things. We're to go out. Now a Roman soldier would have spikes in his sandals that would make his feet really firm, but it also enabled him to pivot and move in any direction that he needed to go in. So God's telling us, be ready with the shoes of peace to go share the, the news, the good news of peace, but to also go as a peacemaker. The Bible says that much as it depends on you, live at peace with one another. You see, here's what else the Apostle Paul calls us, and this is another identity statement, and he has committed to us this message of reconciliation. Listen, if I were to show up to boot camp for the army, they would kick me out. They would look at my body and say, Bill, you're shot. You've had six knee operations. Your right knee needs replacing, uh, which, by the way, I'm trusting God to heal before it gets replaced anyway. Uh, they would kick me out. Say, you can't go into battle. You can't even stand up, you, you know, for more than an hour. I'll have to go lay down after this for an hour. Uh, they'll kick me out. If we show up for boot camp training for spiritual warfare and we're not at peace with other people because of bitterness in my heart, we'll get taken out. We gotta close those accounts. We gotta be a peacemaker. Now you may, you may not be reconciled, but as much as it depends on you, you're the one that leads with peace. He says, in addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith. That's why we teach about faith, which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. See, by faith, faith tells me I've got more than one mortal enemy. 
The devil is a mortal enemy. The world and its value system is a mortal enemy. You know who else is a mortal enemy? Yourself, your old nature. These are all mortal enemies. Now watch this, by faith, by faith, I can know what comes from God. I can know what comes from the devil. I can know what comes from the world. I can know what comes from you, and I can know what comes from your old nature. And I could either receive it, rebuke it, take that thought captive, or live it out depending on where it's coming from. I can always know when something is from God by faith and being in God's word. And then it says, take the helmet of salvation. Every Friday night, you always hear me talk about taking, everything starts with salvation. Everything. Because realistically, the battlefield's always in the mind, isn't it? It's always in the mind. Now I'm going to give a different take on the helmet of salvation. Just a just a corresponding scripture. And if you have your Bibles, go to Revelation 12, 9, 11, sort of validate the fact that we're in a war, that there's a real enemy out there. His name is Satan. And here's what verse nine says. This great dragon, it's up on the screens, the ancient serpent called the devil or Satan, the one deceiving the whole world, was thrown down to the earth with all of his angels. Any questions? Okay. Then I heard a loud voice shouting across the heavens. It has come at last. By the way, it's come already. Are you ready? Salvation. Everyone say salvation. And power. Say power. And the kingdom. Everyone say kingdom. And the authority of his Christ. Say authority. Four things. Keep that. For the accuser of, the, of our brothers and sisters has been thrown down to earth. The one who accuses them before our God day and night and accuses you. Anyone ever hear an accusing voice? Just want to know? All the time. But they have defeated him by the blood of the lamb and their testimony and the fact that they did not love their lives so much that they were afraid to die. Three things. Three-step battle plan right there once you get those four things established. And that last one is the fact is once you know that you're saved, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. That there is no fear of death for a Christian. And you live your life. All life is, is preparation for eternity. The most successful person is the one that prepares for eternity the best. So, here are the four things you need. Salvation. If you get salvation, you inherit power. If you inherit power, you inherit the kingdom of God. Which means you operate under kingdom rule. On the kingdom principles, Jesus said in Luke 17, 20, the kingdom of God is within you. And if you have the kingdom of God operating within you, guess what? You have authority. So you have salvation. You have power. You have the kingdom of God and you have authority. That is what you have. That is who you are. And that's what happens at salvation. And then once you have those four things established, you can apply you can overcome the enemy by one, the blood of the lamb. Now listen, we take communion and we remember what the blood did for us. And as often as we take communion, we should remember what the blood did for us. But when was the last time you used the blood as a weapon? When was the last time you used it to protect you? When was the last time you wielded it to destroy the enemies of your soul? When was the last time you prayed the blood? Since the first day I got saved, there hasn't been a day where my wife we haven't prayed the blood of Jesus over ourselves, over our children, over our f- friends that we love. Pr- 
prayed over this church. We prayed over you. And when someone's in trouble and we get down and dirty, we pray the blood over the enemy. Say, so if you want to get to them, you've got to cross the blood that defeated you on the cross. Want to get to, remember, that's what we did in Passover. Okay, remember what happened in Passover? What did they do? They, they painted the top of the doorpost with what? The blood. And what didn't come in to take them out? The what? That, what, what else is it called? The plague? The plague, right? The plague? Sort of just trying to give you a word picture here. The plague never came and took them out. The plague never came and took them out. The plague never came. The blood of the lamb. And then your testimony. What are you speaking? What do you say? It's amaz- it amazes me what's been coming out of out of Christians, especially when COVID hit, when we were locked down. And now, even now, well, what's going on? New variant, new this, get backs, wear a mask, wear 10 masks, wear this. Now listen, that's not the issue. Do what you have to do. But don't give in to fear, whatever you do. Protect yourself, protect your family, Do what you have to do. But don't say, what are we going to do? What do we do? It's going to end. This is the end. (laughs) So much fear. It, It was amazing to me how Christians, the body of Christ, gave in. There are people who still haven't come out of their house. Who still have given into fear. I don't want to operate like that. I don't want to, which is the third one, the assurance of salvation. Listen, if I've got the, the assurance of salvation, if, if I'm wielding the blood, if I'm speaking and working and taking authority in my prayers, speaking things out loud, speaking life, not death over my, over my life, my family, okay, and I'm not afraid to, listen, I'm, listen, so Christian, if you're afraid to die and you're a Christian, you may not be saved, I got news for you. You may want to write this down. If you're saved, it means you're saved, which means you don't die. You get to live forever. Let me say it again. You live forever and ever and ever. Listen, I could go out. COVID could hit me. But Drunken Earl coming out of New Circle Road could hit me. And I could be gone tomorrow. But you know when I'm going? Ain't no virus taking me out. Ain't no drunk driver taking me out. Ain't cancer or heart attack taking me out. When Jesus calls me home, I'm going home and it'll be a good day. But I'm not going home fearful. When fear comes knocking at my door, I tell Jesus to get it. Because he didn't give me a spirit of fear, but love, power, and a sound mind to walk in authority, pray the blood, have a great testimony, and live my life not unto the death, knowing that to be absent from my body is to be present with the Lord. Got to put our big Jesus girdle or underwear on and put on that armor. Get dressed for battle. Come on now. Can't be asleep at the wheel. And then he tells us this, and the sword of the Spirit, this, which is the Word of God, the sword of the Spirit. We got to use the Word. He mentions it twice. Why is this important? 
Because Paul says the weapons that we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and pretensions and everything that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. Arguments and pretensions are part of those flaming arrows that Paul talks about in Ephesians 6.16. So what do they look like? See if some of these sound familiar. Fear. You have good reason to be afraid right now. Just do what you're told. Doubt. You can't trust God or that God will work in this situation. Lust. You need to have your needs met. This is a fine way to get them met. Loneliness. You're alone. You'll always be alone. Therefore, you'll always be miserable. Guilt. You should feel guilty about your sin and live with that shame. It's the least you can do considering all that God has done for you. You see, it's not that you feel shame, but the devil will convince you that you are shame. Unforgiveness. You can never forgive that person for what they did to you. And even if you could, why would you? Yeah, anger. You've been hurt. You have a right to be angry. Discouragement. You'll never have what you want in life or become the person you want, so don't even get your hopes up. Pride. I don't really have a problem. Thank you, Bill, for what you do for those people. I can handle it on my own. I can get well without the help of God. See, I have to develop the discipline of a disciple. And learn how to be an expert taking thought captive person. The defeated and victorious Christian both get bombarded with temptations, pretensions, and everything that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. The defeated Christian gives in to the lies. The victorious Christian demolishes the lies and the stronghold that the lie will always lead you to. The defeated Christian feels defenseless. The victorious Christian takes authority. The defeated Christian fights hoping for victory one day. The victorious Christian declares victory in Jesus' name and is a force to be reckoned with in the spiritual world. Friends, some of you are getting devoured. Some of you are giving up ground. Some of you are standing your ground. Some of you are taking back ground. I want to tell you today, you are called to take back ground. You are called to advance the kingdom, operating under kingdom principles, under kingdom authority. Greater is he that lives in you than he that lives in this world. Live like it. Don't just quote it. And here's the last piece of the armor. Are you ready? And pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. Some of you only know one way to pray. At Encounter, this fall, we're going to learn how to pray all types of prayers. I want to tell you today, it says this, pray in the spirit. There's a difference between praying with the spirit and praying in the spirit. When you receive Christ, you pray, you can always pray with the spirit, but you got to have all of the Holy Spirit to pray in the spirit. That's the power of God. That's when he does the praying for you. That's when he takes over. Pray in the spirit. And with this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. Why? Because of this. 2 Peter 1, 8 through 9. Be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that your brothers throughout the world are undergoing the same kind of sufferings. We don't fight a spiritual enemy in the natural. 
This is how we fight our battles. Worship team, if you're around, can you please come up? And the, the entire worship team. Normally, we've been reserving this time just for prayer. Just for prayer. But I'm going to ask the whole worship team to come up because we're going to do something a little different today. You see, we fight a spiritual enemy in the spirit with spiritual weapons of our warfare. And that's how we fight our battles. That's how we fight our battles. Now listen, here's what we're doing today. We're changing the warfare strategy. We're changing the rules of engagement today in God's house. The devil's been playing down and dirty against us. We're going to get dressed for battle. We're going to fight our battle by putting on the armor. We're going to pray for our lost ones, our loved ones, to come home to Jesus. We're going to pray for healing. Some of you are sick, physically, mentally, relationally. We're going to pray for healing. And get this. You ready for this? We're going to battle in worship. We're going to battle in worship. Remember, there was a king in the Old Testament, King Jehoshaphat, getting surrounded by all the enemies of God, totally surrounded. They were going to wipe him out. He's the king of Judah. He didn't know what to do. He called for a fast, nationwide fast. And he prayed the most unbelievable prayer. He said, God, we don't know what to do, but our eyes are fixed on you. God spoke to him, actually through a Levite. Spoke to him through a Levite, a worshiper. A Levite would worship God three times a day would pray and worship three times a day. God said, this day, you won't even need to fight. Stand still and watch me win this one for you. Sometimes God tells us to do that in battle. I mean, he may tell you to do that today, but you got to get that from the Lord. That may not be for everyone. The king got the word and he grabbed his worshipers and he grabbed his army generals. Put the generals in the front of the line grabbed his worshipers, put them in front of the generals to the very front of the line. And the plan was this. They started singing. And the moment they began to sing, give thanks to the Lord our God. His faithful love endures forever. The Bible says that God put a spirit of confusion on the enemy. So the enemy started fighting each other. You ever pray that prayer? God put a spirit of confusion. I have devil don't like that until they fought each other until every single one of them was dead how down and dirty are you ready to go today for the people you love how down and dirty are you going to get dressed for battle today I want to suggest today that you do it in worship I want to suggest to you today that we not just sing this song but we make it our battle cry that we trust that God is fighting our battles, that God is surrounding us, that God will bring those loved ones home. Everyone stand up, please. We're getting ready for battle now. But it starts with salvation. If you're in this room and you say, I want, I want to be equipped and I want victory in my life. I want the helmet of salvation. 
the breastplate of righteousness, shoes of peace, buckle of truth. Want the whole armor. Starts at salvation. If you've never submitted yourself to the lordship and leadership of Jesus Christ, now's your opportunity. Would you have the courage to either come forward, raise your hand, no one looking, just say, that's me today. I'll give my life to Jesus because I want victory in my life. I want victory in my life. I'll accept what Christ has done for me. I'll trust in the finished work of Christ. And I'll get dressed for battle each and every day. If that's you, pray this prayer. Father, I accept the sacrifice that your son made for me. I confess with my mouth and believe in my heart that Jesus Christ is Lord. I repent of my sins. I turn from my sins. And I turn to you. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for writing my name in heaven's book, never to be erased. Thank you for filling me with your Holy Spirit. Now empower me and help me get dressed for battle so that I can have victory over the spiritual battles in my life. For the rest of us, God has impressed in my heart that this is your war cry. Come forward. There'll be people who pray for you before and after worship. We'll stay as long as we can, but our battle cry is worship. Come forward and let's do battle. Let's bring our loved ones home. Let's bind the strong man of his armor. Let's experience every single chain being broken in Jesus' name. Amen.
this morning. Sometimes our faith gets weary, doesn't it? When we have an ongoing thing in our life that just won't leave. Some problem that we see in one of our family members that we love dearly that just hasn't broken yet. Let's just ask the Lord to give us fresh faith this morning to see chains broken that he died to pay for. Amen. So let's put our faith together this morning. There is power in the name of Jesus. There is power in the name of Jesus. There is power in the name of Jesus. To break every chain, break every chain, break every chain. There is power. There is power in the name of Jesus. 
There is power in the name of Jesus. There is power in the name of Jesus to break every chain, break every chain, break every chain. Do you believe that? To break every chain, break every chain, break every chain.
Jesus. There is power in the name of Jesus to break every chain, break every chain, break every chain. Amen. We're not done yet. You got a family member that's not walking with Jesus, or they just announced they're living a different lifestyle. You prayed for them, you've cried over them. Someone you, you love dearly, friend of yours, child, spouse, whomever, come forward. We're going to pray for them all right now. We're going to pray for every family member that's not walking with Jesus. We're going to do battle. We're going to claim them back for the kingdom. We're claiming them back for the kingdom. That's right. Keep coming. Keep coming. Believe by faith. Believe by faith. By faith. That's right. Keep coming. Believe by faith. Believe by faith. Believe by faith. Keep coming. Keep coming. Keep coming. We're going to do what we learned to do today. I'm going to pray. I'm going to stand in the gap. Would you just would you just agree with this? Father, in Jesus' name, in the name above all names, the name that breaks chains and every stronghold, would you send the hounds of heaven to chase down every single lost, running family member and loved one down in Jesus' name with your love. Satan, we bind you of your armor with a rope washed in the blood of Jesus Christ. We command you powerless in Jesus' name over every single person that every person here is standing in the gap for. And I pray in Jesus' name for every stronghold of their mind to be broken and pulled down in Jesus' name. A stronghold of unbelief, a stronghold of pride, stronghold of homosexuality, a stronghold of listening to the wrong voice. Would your voice be the only voice they hear and you shut and silence the voice of the enemy in Jesus' name. Open up their eyes so they can see, ears so they can hear, and a heart so they can receive Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior and bring them home. Bring them home in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. We stand in the gap and we pray in agreement with your loved ones and we'll continue to pray believing by faith it is done and settled in the heavenlies until you see it come to pass. Do you believe it? Amen. Amen. And amen. Uh, Carol... Uh, is going to be in room 1009, right? 1009? Huh? 1010? Okay, where your news is at. Carol, 1010. If you want to go see her, get your kids. We'll stay as long as we can uh, to pray with you. If you want to stay and pray and linger, do whatever you... If you have to get your kids, go get them now. 
okay? Rest of you, enjoy the presence of the Lord. It's sweet, isn't it? It's sweet. It's sweet when he does battles for us too, right? Enjoy the victory. Enjoy the victory today in Jesus' name.